Would you join me in prayer as we look to open God's word together today? Heavenly Father, we bow before you, acknowledging your wonderful goodness. May the song that the ladies have just sung, the prayer they've sung, be the prayer of each one here, of each one of us. And may we go forth in your strength and power. May we know your word. I pray that you would teach us this day. As we open your word, I pray that you would inspire us to go as you have commanded, that we would see that in you we have the strength to obey, that you would give us eyes to see and hearts filled with a love for you and a love for others, that we might go forth bringing forth much fruit for your glory and honor. So now be with me, be with my words, may my mind and heart be surrendered to you, and the Lord, we seek you now, and it's in your name we pray, amen. This week there was a holiday celebrated by millions of people around the world, St. Patrick's Day. Millions of people celebrate St. Patrick's Day. Most people think of it as a day to wear green and to party. But sadly, there is much drunkenness, revelings, and such like. As an Irishman myself, I celebrate St. Patrick's Day. Our family does. My great-grandfather immigrated to America from Ireland, and he was a full-blooded Irishman. And so I've inherited that through my mother and a love for the, the Emerald Isle, though I've never been there. Some of my siblings have. Maybe one day, if not here in this life, maybe in the millennium, looking forward to seeing that place. I wear green on St. Patrick's Day, if only it's in this thread in my sock. I don't touch any alcohol, but I do feast on corned beef and potatoes and cabbage. I just did on Friday. But you know, the more that I live and the more that I consider this holiday, and the more that I learn about the historical man, Patrick of Ireland, there's another reason I celebrate St. Patrick's Day. I don't celebrate a man. I don't celebrate an isle, island. I celebrate the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ. And I celebrate forgiveness. The historical St. Patrick of the 5th century experienced forgiveness through faith in Jesus Christ. It was then through this faith he received the forgiveness of God. He was a man who, at 16 years old, was kidnapped. He was kidnapped from his homeland by Irishmen. We think of Patrick of Ireland, but he wasn't really an Irishman, not by blood. He was kidnapped by Irishmen. He was carried to that Emerald Island, and he was enslaved for six long years. 
It was during that enslavement that Patrick realized his need for God. He recognized his failings. He recognized his lack of faith. And he turned to God, believed in God, received the forgiveness of sins, and for Christ's sake was able to forgive those who had kidnapped him and those who had enslaved him for six years. His life changed. He escaped. He escaped from his captivity. He fled back to his homeland. But as he continued to live life a free man, he remembered the Irish. He remembered the Irish, and he remembered what God had done for him. He remembered that his sins had been forgiven when he learned of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why he wrote in his confessions, and we know very little about Patrick other than what he wrote about himself. He said that the gospel was the reason he could not be silent. He interrupted himself and he said, it would not be good to be silent about such great blessings and such a great gift that the Lord has so kindly bestowed upon me in the land of my captivity. And so he asks, he asks the people of his time a question. And that question echoes through the years, if only it were not the theme of St. Patrick's Day celebrations. The question rings, how can we repay such blessings? such blessings, blessings of salvation in Jesus Christ. He asks, how can we repay such blessings when our lives change and we come to know God? How can we repay such blessings? He answers it by saying this, to praise and bear witness to his great wonders before every nation under heaven. Patrick, returned to the Emerald Ireland as a missionary. He returned to the land of his captivity to bring the good news, the gospel, to the very people who had kidnapped him, oppressed him, and enslaved him. He returned to bring the good news of forgiveness that is possible only through Jesus Christ At the very end of his life, lies began to spread about Patrick. Vicious lies. Many of the lies were spread by other Christians, most specifically leaders in the church, which caused Patrick to write what is known today as his confessions. He wrote a letter to a king and his soldiers rebuking this king for doing, the king of his homeland, for doing exactly what the Irish had done to him. There was a king in his homeland of England, and we're not exactly sure where precisely Patrick was from, but I won't bore you with all that fun detail. Likely from Wales, likely from England. And there was a king over there who was going about throughout Ireland conducting raids 
just as the Irishmen had done to Patrick, and were kidnapping people and carrying them back to England as captives and slaves. It wasn't pretty. Reading between the lines, our ears tingle at some of the things that were taking place and what he was doing. And Patrick called out for the church in England to hold him accountable. A childhood friend of his was actually a bishop there in England. His childhood friend betrayed him and was one of the prominent ones spreading lies about Patrick. When Patrick was calling for him to break off fellowship with this king who professed, claimed to be a Christian, but continued these godless raids, kidnapping Irishmen and enslaving them in England. He called out this pastor friend by saying, you ought not to have communion with such a man, ought not to observe the Lord's Supper with such a man. You ought not to receive alms of him. This king profiting off of the enslavement of Irish people is paying you off is basically what he implied. And he called out to him to break this off, to stand for righteousness, justice, and truth. In the end, Patrick was forsaken by the, the big church of his day, left alone, and he wrote his confessions. His confession begins like this. My name is Patrick. I am a sinner. I was about 16. I did not know the true God. I was taken into captivity in Ireland. It was there that the Lord opened up my awareness of my lack of faith. I recognized my failings. So I turned with all my heart to the Lord my God, and He looked down on all my lowliness and had mercy. That is why I cannot be silent, nor would it be good so to do, about such great blessings and such a gift that the Lord so kindly bestowed upon me in the land of my captivity. This is how we can repay such blessings. When our lives change and we come to know God, we repay such blessings by praising and bearing witness to His great wonders before every nation under heaven. He concludes his relatively long confessions by stating this, I testify in truth and in great joy of heart before God and His holy angels that I never had any other reason for returning to Ireland, that nation from which I had earlier escaped, except the gospel and God's promises. Patrick was a missionary to those who had enslaved him. And so if you think of St. Patrick's Day, and I hope next year or even today when you go through the grocery store, I, I last night went to the grocery store after thinking through this and I saw these t-shirts in honor of St. Patrick's Day. Oh, I had indignation in my heart as these t-shirts all green and glittery were boasting of drunkenness and alcohol. Little puns and sayings of it. Oh, how Patrick would, would, 
would groan to see such things in his name. St. Patrick's Day is, is not about drunkenness, revelings, and such like. It shouldn't be. St. Patrick's Day should be a day to remember and to celebrate forgiveness. Forgiveness we receive from God and forgiveness that we can bestow to other people. St. Patrick's Day should be a day to celebrate missions. It's a missionary day to celebrate this one who said, I will go. Who could receive forgiveness and for Christ's sake, forgive those who persecuted him. He wrote that the legacy that he left to Ireland as an old man were the thousands of adults and children he had baptized into Jesus Christ. We glory in the testimony of this. Will we be like Patrick? Will we go? You know, we have a command and we have a call. Some struggle with Patrick because he speaks of a story, really, you might say, a, a Macedonian vision, more specifically, an Irish vision, of a man dressed as an Irishman calling for him, calling for him to come. And he struggled in his heart to forgive the Irish, but he knew that he needed to go to the Irish with the gospel. It is as I read earlier, before we sang the song, I will go. Jesus said, take your Bibles, turn with me to the last chapter, the last verses of the gospel of Matthew. It is here that Jesus gave us our great commission. He said, go. He has a job for each and every one of those who trust in him. And I plead with you today, as I plead with myself, how am I obeying? How am I going forth in obedience to what Jesus gave to his church? In Acts chapter 28 and verse 18, it says that Jesus came and spake unto his disciples. And he said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Will you say amen to that? Amen. amen. It is to say, I will go. Let it be so. I agree. I will go. I will do as Jesus has commanded. This is one of the purposes we have as a church. It is, very specifically, the salvation of the lost through the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ.
We as a church have a purpose to create and to cultivate an interest in, a support of, and a devotion to missionary activities in the United States and in any foreign country. This is our purpose. If you take your Bibles and turn over to the Acts of the Apostles, you will find again the Great Commission recorded there. A little different, not contradictory, they complement two different testimonies and witnesses of the same conversation, noting two different parts of this conversation Jesus had with his disciples before he ascended up into heaven and the clouds received him out of their sight. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, it says this, Jesus says this, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. In just 10 days, this is going to happen from when Jesus said this. The Holy Ghost is going to come upon and the church is going to begin. And Jesus then gives his commission to this church who will have the Holy Spirit come upon them. And he says, ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. We have a commission in Matthew to go, teaching all nations. We have a commission in Acts chapter 1 to be a witness. And he lays out a model for those people there on that Mount of Olives, just outside of Jerusalem. And he lays out a pattern that I believe is very important for us even in this day. As these words go forth to you, you think of Jerusalem as a faraway place. You think of Judea as far away. You perhaps don't even know what or where Samaria is. And my, oh my, the uttermost part of the earth. Where's that? See, we think of these places as far away. And this was a model set for them to follow. For they were in Jerusalem. But this is a model that is set not just for them. It is an example set for us. When you receive the Lord Jesus Christ and you believe on him and his forgiveness washes you clean, you now have received a blessing that you can be as Patrick of Ireland to go forth and share. Where do you begin? Do you go to Jerusalem? Some have interpreted it that way, but I don't think that was the example or model set forth here. Because if it were, there would be a lot of people who wouldn't be able to obey it. So what is it? Your Jerusalem begins in your very own home, your neighborhood, your workplace, your community, the region. And it could keep on going to the uttermost part of the world. Not every one of us are called to go to the uttermost part of the world. Some of those who heard this command didn't go to the uttermost parts of the world, but some of them did. And the church there was able to support those who did. Every one of us should be willing, just like Isaiah of our memory verse this week, here am I, send me. That should be a prayer for every one of us to go no matter where God may call us. But I can tell you right now, if you're wondering where God has called you, that he has called you to your home, neighborhood, community, and workplace.
And will you obey there? If you look at Acts of the apostles and you look at then as the church begins to spread abroad and you begin to see the missionary fervor and passion, you will notice that in the sending forth of Paul and Barnabas from the church at Antioch, that they were already engaged in the ministry there. So oftentimes, young people are are presented mission trips ideas. Maybe you've read about or seen them and so forth. Well, mission trips, I don't know about the trip part. Let's talk about missions first. When we are focusing on a mission, it may lead us on a trip. But we start with the mission. One who is looking for a missions trip has got it backwards. Start on the mission in your own place, in your own Jerusalem. The mission of sharing the gospel with your family. I wonder how many of you can think of family members who are unbelievers. Many of you have a heritage of Christian people. That means your parents and grandparents are Christians, but not everyone does. Are we living a life of witness and testimony and living the grace of God, living the forgiveness of God, so that even those closest to us see the good news in our lives? Do we speak of the good news in our lives? Your workplaces. Oh my, what a mission field. You think, well, I might get fired. You might. The word witness here is the Greek word martrus. That's the Greek word martyr. Being a witness might get you fired. Being a witness might actually get you dead. Don't be afraid, though, because all power has been given to Christ. At the same time, don't be a fool about it. You can abide by rules and reg- regulations in places and yet still be a witness. Did you ever think of how much of a witness you can be is when someone insults you or hurts you, when someone um, deceives you, when someone takes credit for something you've done in the workplace and you respond in grace? When you respond with the forgiveness of Christ, you've just spoken the gospel in your actions and in your spirit. For Christ the Spirit is flowing through you. It's not always just how you live. You do need to be a witness and testify of the good news of Jesus Christ because if you're not talking about Jesus Christ, people can't be saved. For Acts 4.12 says that neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. We do have to witness and testify of Jesus. Are we going forth, spreading abroad the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are we faithful witnesses in word and in life? Do we stand ready to go wherever God calls us? Not aware of any of you here that's ever been kidnapped or enslaved. But do you have the grace to forgive those who have wronged you for the sake of the gospel? To go to be able to share the gospel with the world around us? I think of the apostle Paul. He went forth as a missionary You know, on his first missionary journey, he ended up getting drug out of the town and stoned almost to death. 
if not dead. At least everybody thought he was dead until all of a sudden he stood up and, you know, he went right back into the city that just stoned him. Oh, my. We think, well, that's okay. That's because he went back in, and then he just he got out of there fast, and I think he did get out of there fast. That was kind of the point. But did you know on the second missionary journey, Paul's got it laser beam focus. I got to go to that place. I got to go to that place to confirm the saints that are there. I believe that when Paul was taken out and he was persecuted so cruelly and put down that he came back into that city with a spirit of forgiveness and people noticed. That's the same spirit that Jesus had as he hung on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Do we go forth sharing the gospel with forgiveness? The song the children and I sang earlier, for many years I've heard it in a recording, and I've always wanted to sing it. So the church has a copy of the book it's in. And as we started looking at it, I began to actually think about the words. And you all know me, I exegete just about everything, including the songs, not just the Bible. Exegete means to draw out the meaning, to understand the meaning bring it out of it. And I struggled with the first verse of this song, actually, for some time. I almost put it away and said, that's not biblical. Let me read it to you. See all the people crying out to know God, searching for the simple truth given in God's Word. Perhaps you know why I stumbled over those words. Because in Romans and in other passages, it says that there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that seeketh after God. There is none that doeth good. And here this declares and calls for us to see all the people crying out to know the Lord, searching for the simple truth given in God's word. Why was I able to proceed forward and sing this song today? This is why. Even what you see so much with St. Patrick's Day and how the world celebrates it, why do they drink themselves drunk and in the midst of a hangover seek it yet again? Why do people seek amusements that are godless? Why do people seek sinfulness, pleasures but for a season? They are seeking. They just don't know what they're seeking for and what they really need. They are seeking. And so the cry is here, see all the people crying out to know the Lord, searching for the simple truth. They're searching in all of the wrong places. And this is why it's such a tragedy when Christians are searching in all of the wrong places and living in all of the wrong places instead of living in the truth of the Word of God. They are searching for what's the truth of the Word of God, and they don't even know it. 
That's why we have a commission to be sharing with them the Word of God so that they can know that the Bible tells us that Jesus is better than the drunkenness, that Jesus is better than the revelings and parties, that Jesus is better in whatsoever it is that you seek fulfillment in and find only emptiness in. The song says, see all the people. Do we see the people crying out to know, but they don't know who? Do we see them crying out to know the Lord, searching for the simple truth given in God's word? The next phrase says, bound by chains of sin, longing for release. Much of the world does not even realize that they are bound by the chains of sin. They long for release, but they don't know how to be released. They do not know that it is through Jesus that we have forgiveness of sins, that it is through Jesus that we have freedom, that we have life everlasting, that we have hope and peace and joy, that through His Spirit we can live and bring forth the fruits of the Spirit. Do we see the people crying out to know the Lord? whom they don't know, do we tell them of him? Searching for the simple truth that they don't know is given in God's word. Do we see them bound by chains of sin and longing for release? And this is the question that is asked, who will share the gospel now and bring them peace? I will go. Will you? Isaiah said, I will go. Paul said, I will go. Patrick of Ireland, well, wasn't of Ireland. We think of him as an Irishman because he said, I will go. He went to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Will you go? Will you be the witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ? There are lost who need to hear. The second verse of the song asks us to hear. Hear people crying. See the hurt in every face, finding only empty things in their downward race. How will people hear? How will people hear? Who will point the way? Who will point the way? Who will take the love of Christ and go today? I will. Will you? Not in your own strength, but as Jesus said, all power is given to me in the strength of Jesus. Each week at Good News Club, we ask the children to share with us prayer requests. And there is one prayer request that really, as I pray for this child these last few days, since Tuesday, and been meditating on the song we were going to sing this morning, that has moved me. The little card said on it, I want to meet Jesus. I want to meet Jesus. I'm praying about how to follow up with this little boy. 
I think it was a little boy. Where's Ben? Is Ben in here? There's Ben. Was it a little boy? Yeah. Ben, can you stand up? You see this little guy up there? This prayer request was shared with him. Thank you, Ben. You see, as we sang this morning and with the children, I don't have to wait till I'm grown up to tell of Jesus. We have a privilege to introduce Jesus to people. How great a joy. How great a privilege to tell people of Jesus and his love. Ben won't be there this coming Tuesday. So we all have to, as other leaders, follow up with this little boy who wants to meet Jesus. Will we share with him? May God grant us wisdom and opportunity to introduce this little boy to Jesus. He wants to meet Jesus. Now, I think he thinks about actually Jesus in the person and in the flesh right there in the room. But you know, it starts today for each one of us by putting our faith in Jesus, believing in him. And then one day, we will meet him face to face. The question is, for every one of us and all whom we know, is will you meet Jesus as your Savior and friend, as joint heir of eternal life? Or will you meet him as your judge? Everyone will meet Jesus. Let's introduce him to people today as the Savior of the world and pray that the Holy Spirit would work in their hearts and lives, that they would believe him so that when that day they do meet him face to face, they will meet him as a Savior and a friend rather than a judge. We have the privilege of introducing people to Jesus. Will we see them? Will we hear them? And will we say with Isaiah of old, I will go. Here am I. Send me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love for us in sending Jesus to die for our sins. We give thanks to you this day for the blessing of salvation. We give thanks to you this day for life everlasting. And as we give thanks to you this day for blessings, I pray that we would see our need, our duty, and our privilege to proclaim the joy, the gospel of your salvation to all we meet and to go and share the gospel to be looking and hearing those who are seeking and crying, to be looking and hearing those who are seeking and crying and finding nothingness in all the wrong places. May our hearts 
be united with your heart and may, when we see such people, be moved with compassion to share with them the gospel that will bring them peace, that will give them hope, that will give them life. Dear Spirit of God, move among your people here today. Show each individual one ways in which they can go to their Jerusalem. They can go with your gospel in specific ways today, this week. Spirit of God, lead in that way, I pray. Brothers and sisters, would you keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, and would you take a moment to pray and think Ask your Jesus and his Holy Spirit how today, how this week, you can go. Just a few thoughts. Who are the people who live in your house who need to hear the good news? Who are the people in your neighborhood, in your workplace? Do you see one? The Macedonian call that Paul experienced was something special and unique. But is there a face in your mind of one you know who is crying out, who needs to hear? Will you pray that the Lord show you such faces and that you have the faith to trust and obey and go?